Rest, recover, rise with 4-5 CBD oil. The world's first certified 0% THC CBD oil. 4-5 CBD oil. For athletes, by athletes. It's not the length podcast. I think it might be the best thing that's ever happened in surfing. Kind of a bit of bad bile kind of forming at the corners of their mouth. My only problem was, I was like, I've, I've got to clear it with Shano. Let's be honest, Ben. I'm ripping. Welcome to It's Not The Length Podcast. I'm world record holder Paul Evans. And I'm Ben Mundy. Paul, it feels like a long time since you set the world record, your 26 days of uh, WSL commentary in a calendar month. Oh, man, since then we've had France, which was epic, Flores on a tear. We've had Portugal, interesting for different reasons. Medina getting his knickers in the twist. We've had Florence. He's coming back for Pipeline against Slater for that Olympic spot. We're going to chat about that. We've been up to Nazare and met some of my fellow world record holders. Had a bunch of chat with them. We're going to talk about the Nazare Toe Challenge that you and I are going to be broadcasting to surf fans all over the world. I've been new board shopping, looking at short boards, and I've got a new wetsuit, Ben. It's a Billabong 3-2 furnace, comp with graphene. My God, it's good. We've both rubbed ourselves down in 4-5 CBD oil, and we're ready to get on with the show. What up? This is Shane Dorian. Hey, this is Peter Mal. Whenever I'm not calling championship tour heats or surfing big waves, I'm listening to the Razor Sharp Wit and Searing Insights of Paul Evans and Ben Mondi on It's Not the Length. So let's talk about some goods and bads. Let's have a little run through the filters and check what's been going on in the surf world, Ben. What have you got? Gabriel Medina's um, interference, which I think, I mean, I know it's been talked about, but I think it wasn't only the best thing that's sort of happened this year in surfing. I think it might be the best thing that's ever happened in surfing. Um, and I reckon that they should maybe not even do surfing and just do more sort of interference social media type controversies because that's where fucking that's where it's at in my mind i just thought it was brilliant not only did um you know not only did it sort of kick start a fucking the uh, whole world title race and push it to pipeline um but it just sort of ignited an event that had pretty shit waves i mean what would you rather like 18 instagram posts of lakey peterson going go-karting or itillo ferrara eating sardines or you know like a global conspiracy with Neymar Jr. involved. I thought it was fucking the best thing to ever happen. Yeah, a classic Evans moment. I was at the beach all day at the event doing my thing. I left about five minutes before that happened. So <laughs> I, was, I was making that long walk back through that kind of boardwalk where you, you kind of, if you want to overtake someone, there's like a narrow wooden path where people go slow. If you want to overtake, you've got to go on the soft sand and kind of move really quickly to go around them. But anyway, yeah, I sort of missed that in line with my classic timing Reminded me a bit like the time I went to the North Shore and I left the day of the Eddie when the Eddie hadn't run for like nine years. Um, my flight out was that day and it, obviously it was massive and amazing. But yeah, I, I missed all that. Good um, good controversy, lit up the world title race. think it's what surfing needed. We do love, well, people do love to hate uh, Medina, don't they? A lot. And then other people love to hate the people that hate Medina, the Medina lovers. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, I think, yeah. Um, but yeah, epic. Uh, all sorts of cool connotations for the Bonsai Pipeline. 
And yeah, good stuff. I'm really glad uh, Medina didn't win it in Portugal because, I mean, realistically, as much as I love the event and everyone that works there and sometimes being employed by them um, for cash, or not cash, bank transfer all declared and paid tax on, as it, as it should be above board. As much as I love that, it's a shit place to crown a world champion. You know that, I know that. It's not a world title venue. But it should all come down to the bonsai. I liked um, what I heard on the, on the inside a bit of Ratso Buchanan, who's our favourite priority judge, um, Paul, who uh, made the call, made the big call on that, and he was sort of forced to hole up in his little priority box about three hours afterwards, by all accounts. So I just love that idea of Ratsay just like searching the horizon um the beach the beach announcer during that heat was David Prescott one of our mates yes. based over there in the Azores does all the European events and he highlighted his career he, well dude he looked so relieved like the next day after the thing had come out the, the official response was on he was just like he thought he said priority to Belly, but he kind of was second guessing it, and then with what all Medina's stuff and the announcement, and then he was like so relieved when he heard it was like in the official clip. So he he heaved a bit of a sigh of relief. Although just on technicality, in case you didn't know, even if the beach announcer gets it wrong, um, the beach announcer are allowed to get it wrong. Incidentally, no, it's all about the board, right? Yeah, exactly. Medina ignored them both. What a twat. So anyway, we're gonna pipe. That's cool. I tell you what, just back on that. The, um, I mean, it's great for my my book, obviously inverting the priority, which is just. I mean, if there were, if the if the sort of Amazon pre-orders weren't starting to sort of pile up after that interference, sort of fucking, you know, the greatest interference scandal probably of all time. I mean, the book's going to just go through the roof. Um, but I say, yeah, the WSL's response uh, was brilliant. I thought uh, well crafted, concise. Uh, they fucking stuck it right up, gave and said, "This is what happened." Pull your neck in. I mean, I may have had a little. Who wrote of, it? Oh, I, I wrote that, Paul. Yeah. And um, did you really write that? I was yes. Did you write no research? Full stop. Yes. So I thought that was that's not that's not very good English, is it? No research. That's not a sentence. No, no. But we were just we were making it clear, straight to the point, Paul. Straight to our Medina's heart. Uh, we had to cut through the bullshit. You know what it's like. Anyway, uh, we wrote that. and it got got, That sounded a bit, a little bit amateurish. I didn't know that was you, but now that I do, it all made sense. <laughs> anyway, that's done and dusted. We move on. What have you got? I'll just continue on that event, but away from the event, just to free surfing down there in Portugal. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people sort of make a lot of platitudes about every event that you go to and everyone says this and that about how good it is, but... Um, I haven't been there for a while because I'm not I'm not a massive fan of Peniche. It's a place that's not, not one of my favourite Portuguese surf towns generally, but just it was bonkers this year. And there's so many places to free surf. And even though Super Tube Boss was what, like, you know, there's a lot of lay days, two foot, it's pumping over that other side, like, like kind of too big almost each day. It's so many good ways. And it, I mean, it's packed at that little Balear stretch, but up and down, you know, if it's a bit up north to that rhythm mouth up there, or even even just in between Peniche and Edicera, there's so many beach breaks and like great ways. And just compared with with here with with France, I have chosen to send you as an advance party to hell, for the considerable French number that will soon be needing to find space there. It's like the the difference in crowd is is mad. I mean, you can on any given day you could serve your own peak in Portugal without having to drive hours. You know, you don't have to do anything particularly crazy, abseil down cliffs or anything. You just, a little, a wee bit of imagination, stroke, LK, local knowledge. You're surfing on your own in pretty good waves. 
I mean, it's ugly, it sinks a fish, but you can't fault it for free surf opportunities during a major international surf event. Yeah, that is great, but that's also part of the problem, isn't it? Like, you know that you're watching guys surf three foot, four foot closeouts in onshore, and you just know that, like, literally 15 minute driveway, there's guys getting six foot fucking sh- offshore shacks. It's like, what, what, you know, why? What, yeah. what? There, well, I, I can answer that as a little peek up the skirt. Um, there was a little bit of chat about moving and possibly moving, going mobile, as they've done in the past down there, and a good buddy of ours was kind of in on that conversation, and he was asked to sort of get an official word on how long it would take to get set up and plugged in and ready to broadcast after everything moved. Three years. And he said, he said as he asked the relevant person, he's like, add a couple of hours on so we don't have to do it. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, basically, uh, moving would have been a nightmare. I think they kind of did the right thing. Sometimes the surf isn't good. That's what makes the events great when the waves do come together, as they did in France with Flores' glorious victory. But yeah, what a cool Euro leg. I surfed a ton. And overall, broadly speaking, I got my, I got my surf buzz back, Monday. I'm just... I'm what put- the fuck? Are you, what were you doing down there, Paul? In Paniche. Yeah, didn't see any much riding coming out. I, I saw your five takeaways, stealing some of Monday's. Oh, sort of I just, vibes. what was I doing? Ah, oh, not much. I did some interviews with some, some surfers you, you might have heard of. I interviewed the entire top five from the women. I got them all. Moore, Peterson, uh, named some others, Marks. <laughs> um, what's the other Fitzgibbon. one? Fitzgibbons, she actually no. In the end, she she I couldn't I get hold of her. Okay, didn't well, make the Evans. She didn't make the Evans top five. She did, but she just didn't do it. I got Gilmore, and um, it was a bit reluctant, miserable. But anyway, and obviously I got loads of the dudes. Oh, Alana Blanchard. I got all the dudes. I talked to Kelly. It's a tricky little wave. Um, there's a lot of power. You can paddle out. It looks two foot. It's like six foot. We had a little bit of a chat, just making some content. I was up at Nazare doing some clips for the forthcoming toe challenge. When you see a little clip on the Facebook page, a little social clip from the Wazzle, interviews with some of the big wave legends. So I'm talking Von Rupp, Val, McNamara, Kosha, Gabera, Stutner, Robier, <laughs> Dupont. I mean, name a big wave lord. Evans interviewed him this October. Uh, Shane Dorian? No, he's not in the toe challenge, mate. Yeah, of course he's fucking not. That's Skip. why I had to... When I got the call-up for the um, on the basis of my amazing QS run, I got the call-up for the big wave game. My only problem was, I was like, I've, I've got to clear it with Shane-o. What up, this is Shane Dorian. He does, you know, he's not a big toe guy, as you well know, Paul. Uh, so I rang him up, you know, I was part of our normal sort of weekly chat, and I said, Shane-o, Shane-o, I've got the call, what do I do, mate? Talk me through it. And... Um, he just said, "Look, it's 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 fine, dude. You know, it, it's too big to, to paddle when it's like that. You got a toe. I'm behind you 100. percent Do your best." So that yeah, I was relieved. That's cool. Well, waiting period open on November the first, and let's see what happens. It runs till the end of March. Although, generally speaking, the was would like to run that one before Christmas. So we got the next couple of months or so to maybe go big at that event. But yeah, man, I was sitting in the back of G-Max's uh, electric Mercedes SUV. I uh, just written an article about SUVs. Actually, it's on Wavelength right now, Ben. You can check that out. Or is that the, the title, which the title reads, Does Checking the Surf in an SUV Make You an Idiot? Ben, uh, are you on Wavelength right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm, ne- I'm never off it, Paul. Solid. Solid. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. 
Um, did you know that if SUV drivers were a country that had the seventh biggest carbon footprint of every country, any country in the world? Uh, I didn't know that, no, Paul. Did, do you know that despite all the savings for um, in t- small cars and engines getting more efficient and, and the, the entire global electric car market, all of those savings on carbon emissions are just being negated by the fact that everyone more wants more SUVs. So actually emissions are going up because of the SUV market. Um, obviously, Jeep sponsored the Wazzle, and we had a Jeep down there. I was driving that around, and <laughs> I... On, on the sand dunes, are you? Nope, and I just felt a bit of a, bit of a twat, basically, for driving around in a massive, huge land tank, um, but just carrying, like, a sort of three-kilo surfboard, basically, <laughs> in the back on sort of just perfectly narrow tarmac asphalt roads. But anyway, Monday, did you get up to anything for Halloween this year? I mean, it's a couple of years back when... You were out in London with your, your good mates, Mick Fanning and Joel Parkinson. Any cool any cool Halloween festivities at any World Champions this year? No, well, I was thinking that as I was um, trick-or-treating uh, in the dark, trying to not get let my kids get run over by cars in an uh, industrial estate, I thought, you know, a couple of years ago, I was me, it was Mick, it was Joel, it was Ben Howard. We, we were just out hitting the town. And I thought this is very, very different. So um, no, Paul, not didn't, think, hit, any, didn't hit any heady heights. But uh, we got got a bit of footage from that night. Actually, got some audio. Maybe let's just have a listen. Remind ourselves about Monday's night out in London's fashionable Soho district with Mick and Joel. Oh, Monday, you're a funny cunt. Look at him. Hey, Joel, look at Monday dancing. He's a funny cunt, eh? G'day, Mick speaking. Yeah, sorry, who? Ben who? Ben? Oh, Ben Ben Howard. Oh, yeah, 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 I've, I've heard of you. Oh, nah, nah, mate, nah, I'm not, in, nah, I'm not in London at all. Nah, I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not in London. Nah, nah, sorry, mate. Maybe another time, eh? Yeah, right, yeah, boy. Fucking Taylor, giving me number out. Can't. Yeah, ben, as I mentioned, man, I've just been getting so stoked on shredding again. I've actually been getting right back into kind of short boards and short board shopping, partly out of just logistics of going to events and, you know, I get a lift down with the World Surf League's Nick Luar uh, normally. And just to put, I can't put the 7.5 egg in the back of his car, can I? To drive down to Portugal and... Even when you're at an event, you know, we leave our boards in the booth overnight. And, like, it's just, I can't take one on a massive sort of log. So, so yeah, shortboarding is back. And I've been, I've, been, I've been going into loads of surf shops and touching them all. I've looked at JS's, Channel Islands, Lost's, Chili's, other ones. Just all of them. I've, it's almost as if stock shorties are the new sort of custom Nonza resin tint rolled rail V blah blah sort of really weird one of a kind that I normally kind of like to ride two plus one etc etc just stock shortboard mate stockies oh right so you've discovered the concept of a stock shortboard Paul. and I've really I've just rekindled the sort of love for the practicality of it um I tell you what I also found out about I've been getting shit for having plastic fins because I didn't know that you can put FCS1 in an FCS2 
kind of box. You just need to put the little grub screws in. So I took out my my carver plastic fins that came came with the board, <laughs> came with the FIPS, and I put in my my Lunar Surf ones that Ian Batchett gave me, and they're sick. And it actually genuinely does make a, a real difference. Way's been way's been really good here up until the the thousand year storm hit two days ago. And I, I put the fins in, the good fins, and, and I was shredding, getting tube, and just loving it, mate. Yeah, now imagine if you put those fins in a new board, what's going to be? Oh, button? God. It'd be like the Millennium Falcon when he presses that button and I'll just go into hyperspeed. I look forward to uh, seeing the results. <laughs> Paul, what have you got that's... The women on the championship tour, Ben, are too nice. Whew, glad I got that at the end. <laughs> That could have been controversial. Yeah, the women on the tour, I think they're too nice. Um, I went on record earlier this year saying I thought they were, they were surfing conservatively. They've been rewarded for conservative surfing on that tour relative to what women doing in other some aspects of the sport. They're just all a bit nice. They need a baddie, don't they need... I don't know. Do they need a Lynette, a Lynette McKenzie or a bit of a Trudy Todd. They need a villain. They're just all... I mean, apart from Gilmore, they all just sort of seem so nice these days. Feels maybe a little bit like Courtney Connell might have a little bit of the inner sort of <laughs> enough. I want a better expression. But, um, <laughs> but, um, the rest of them, Peterson, Moore. I mean, you know I love Carissa. You know, obviously, I, as I mentioned, I was interviewing them down in Portugal for some content I'm doing for, for that platform. But, um, yeah, they... They're just so nice and kind of get on with each other. And I don't know if there's enough hate there. I don't know if there's enough rivalry. And they need to do something. I don't know if someone needs to sort of steal someone's husband or whatever, or I don't know, maybe just steal someone's favourite board or just do something, get some kind of rivalry going, Ben. Um, yeah, I just got to see your point. But then again, I would, I would say that you don't have to be, you know, nice guys or girls don't have to come up. Look at Roger Federer. I mean, one boring of the as shit. <laughs> boring as shit. Yeah, but damn good at tennis. Yeah, damn. but he, he, he only works as a counterpoint because there are some real dicks on that tour, like that Australian guy. Kyrgios. Yeah, him. And, you know, the, you know Federer only works because there are some real balance. But in the women, I mean, they're going to go to Maui, they're going to have the event, and the best sort of surfer over the year is, is get a win. And whoever surfed the best is get yeah, deserved it, especially if it's Carissa, because she is the best. But, you know, maybe Caroline Marks. And it's all just quite nice, and the other ones will be really pleased for her, but, you know, wish they'd have won themselves. And that's that's as sort of deep as that storyline goes. I want some hate. I want some real rivalry. I, I want some kind of, I don't know, I just want a bit of bad bile kind of forming at the corners of, of their mouths when they look at each other. And I want, you know, that kind of Andy and Kelly sort of rivalry or just some of you them. Want the- you want the Cambo punch of Andy's head in the shower kind of stuff. Oh, Bourdain. I just want, just want a bit of nastiness. I want a bit of acrimony. I want, you know, some genuine, real dislike. That's what I want, Ben. Okay. Oh, well, let's, let's hope we can get that, Paul. <laughs> don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it kind of needs a little bit of a storyline on that tour. Um, at the moment, it's just kind of who's sort of surfing the best, you know, which is essentially... Bit of a snorefest. Ben, what else have you got? Let's see. Well, this is a bit, I mean, it's a bit of an um, ex- existential sort of crisis, really, I've, I've had about surfing. And I saw Creed McTaggart's part um, 
in his new Globe movie. Have you had a chance to check that out, Paul? Oh, I fucking loved it. I thought it was just a really good surfer, surfing really good waves. It used to be, you know, like the video part used to be something in surfing where, you'd, you know, one section of, of one movie would stand out as being something different. And I thought that... Um, I thought it was just really refreshing. It was just amazingly well-surfed, amazing waves shot really well. Like, it doesn't have to be fucking art, you know what I mean? Like, just anyone that's trying to do art in surf movies, I can just just don't. Just film surfing. Like, you don't need black and white. You don't need, um, you know, a, as you say, like a, a, a filming a, a bit of paper swirling in the wind. Uh, you don't need lyrics written uh, in a text or on a bit of cardboard. But anyway, and then... I was having this conversation and then uh, a guy I kind of really respect, um, great surfer and, and, and we worked with, he was like, that was shit, that part was shit. Who was that, Ben? Uh, Ollie Kurtz, who's uh, you know, an incredible surfer from um, Florida and now he's a producer and uh, director and he's, he's, I just value his judgment. I was like, oh, maybe, I don't know, it's all sort of in, in all sorts. And then uh, just after that, then we had another discussion because we were trying to work out what to go on this sort of, doing this, WSL stuff and did you see Taylor Jensen's you wouldn't have seen this Taylor Jensen the longboarder to a Superman air in the Waco pool yeah I, I saw the clip but I didn't press play I saw that and I mean what that we're debating that about whether that was relevant I was like what am I doing with my life Paul like what, is any of this relevant it doesn't matter is it is my judgment count I was just in I was in this real sort of deep swirl of uh not like me to be a bit sort of I'm sitting on the fence, Paul, but I, I don't even know what I'm saying now, to be honest. Did Oliver Kurtz think that Taylor Jensen's Superman and the Waco Paul was good, but Credo's clip was shit? Is that right? No, he, no, he, he was kind of anti the Taylor Jensen one as well, to be fair. He was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, we, we don't need this in our life, guys. Can we? Yeah, there was a voice of reason. Um, but anyway, you know, what does it matter? It happened. That's it. It doesn't um, need discussed. Do, do you mean Taylor TJ Jensen? Yeah. I'll give yeah mate, three, I'll, three time longboard world champion. I'll give mate Bleakley, um, who I did the longboard commentary with the Glitter, he calls him Taylor TJ Jensen. Like, he sort of says it like, I don't know, he, he shows his name, he says the nickname, however, the nickname is just simply made up of his initials. <laughs> You're like, um, kind of Tom TC Carroll. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's on his way out. They're in the longboard thing. They're kind of getting rid of him because he's one of those shortboard longboards. Why are we talking about this? I oh, know, that's what I was saying. I don't know why. I was just like, what's going on in my life? That's what I was talking about, Paul. Why? Anyway, I got over it. I moved on. I know what's relevant. We're relevant. What have you got that's... Yeah, I've actually got a bit of a serious one this time around. All joking and being silly aside. Uh, drink driving, Mundy. Don't fucking do it, you no. or any listeners out there. It's just a bad scene. Um, if you're going for a night out, throw a mattress in the back of the car. Even if you don't throw a mattress, just sleep on the back seat. Sleep under a hedge. Just don't take the car. It's been, it's been too many, too many accidents go down and... I mean, France is kind of known, I guess, for being a bit more tolerant to it or just less likely of getting caught than you, than you would at home. I know there's a lot of people that come down here and do think things that they wouldn't do back home, probably, like drink driving. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a mate who, you know, an Australian mate, a guy that you know as well, who had a bad accident here. This is going back a long time ago now, pissed, and he nearly killed, you know, he put this girl in hospital pretty badly, and uh, he, he was only allowed to leave the country because he knew some people, uh, some surf companies that knew some people, and he got he was allowed to get his passport back and leave, but, he, you know, he was real lucky to get away with that one. Um, i got a good friend, uh, Luisa, Brazilian surfer, that uh, great great surfer she comes from the same town as Toledo and she was like a ripper when she was a junior she had an accident going back now back in 2010 here driving back to Senos she's still in a wheelchair like she'll never walk again um and then just recently a uh, couple of weeks back Mark Phipps one of the kind of local shaper legend core lords from this area great dude his, his eldest daughter Laurie she was on a scooter with her boyfriend and some dude was pissed uh, apparently it's his third time of that he's been this is happened, he's been caught anyway um, and they've they're still alive but they both got like life changing injuries you know amputations and uh, I mean I think her boyfriend's still in quite a lot of trouble in hospital so yeah I don't want to get all serious and kind of you know, sad but fuck drink driving just don't do it basically that's my message for anyone listening don't do it. Yeah, I agree. It's like the risk versus the reward is just so fucking out of stack. So you, if, if it was any other thing, you said, okay, this is a risk, this is a reward, you would never fucking do it in a million years. So, yeah, I get you. I think also, though, like they've got to like, especially around Hossega and like Portugal and Panish, like these places where there's so many parties, there's so much fun to be had, but there's no fucking transport. Like, I know it's your own individual decision, but make people's lives easier. Get a shuttle bus. Like, get buses that go around that can drop people that make it, like, fucking easier to, to do it. That's the other thing. Like, we need some support because otherwise it's, like, just becomes a bit of a, you know, like, that happens all too regularly. So, anyway, yeah, I'm with you, Paul. Sorry to hear about your mates. Don't drink and drive. If you drink and drive, as the Australian slogan goes, you're a bloody idiot. It's not relaxing. All right, that'll do for part one. Coming up in part two, we're going to find out some more of the goings-on down there at the Mio Ripcoll Pro Portugal. This just happened. We are going to find out about the upcoming Nazare Toe Challenge. Go behind the scenes on that event. But before we do that, let's go and hear from Wavelength editor Luke Gartside, who's sounding a little bit stressed, having just put the finishing touches on the latest issue, which is coming out soon. How's it going, Luke? I'm good, thanks, Paul. Yeah, uh, managed to get up to the Wave Bristol yesterday, which was fun. Nice bit of respite after a week of howling onshores at home. Um, we're also putting the finishing touches on the mag, which is out in mid-November. And um, the best way to get your hands on it first is by subscribing, which you can do on our website. And uh, you'll be among the first to have it plop through your door as soon as it lands. It's two issues, 20 quid, and there are some other great offers on there as well. Yeah, so what else has been happening? Well, yeah, as I said, I've been down in, in Portugal. And I, you know, I'm, I've been there for a little while to Peniche anyway. I've been to Portugal loads. I haven't been to Peniche. It's changed quite a bit. There's a lot going on. Um, there's some some cool little scenes popping up in that kind of Baleal feral area. i tell you what I did discover down there this time out is the backyard party. Do you know much about a backyard party? Uh, is that a party in the backyard? I don't think I've ever really been to one before. Yeah, it's it is a party in the backyard, but I guess it's to do with licensing laws. But um, I think in Portugal, if you have like a private members club, and people are all a member and they've got a number and a little membership card, they can you can sort of sell booze. So 
basically this Italian Italian girl down there in Balayal, she's got some kind of wacky surf camp. She's turned into this really cool backyard party thing. And it was pumping, dude. We went a couple of times. At once we went about 7 p.m. It was packed. There's a DJ, it's like banging tunes, like loads of people. It was really cool. And um, it's just, just the innovation, the progression, you know, it just doesn't stop in the surf world. Really impressed with that. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke a pipe, 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 um, yeah, and I met a few interesting characters. I met a woman who's kind of like English, Portuguese sort of woman who she does Paul McCartney's Christmas lunch. Um, was her kind of little claim. I don't know how I got onto that, but we were chatting. And for some, I think her, her nan or her aunt is like the housekeeper for the McCartneys in London, in St. John's Wood. And so inevitably I said, do they have the Linda McCartney like nut roast? You know, because for people who are unfamiliar, for international listeners, uh, Paul's uh, former late wife Linda was a famous vegetarian. She had her own range of vegetarian foods. I think it was the first sort of vegetarian food brand that you could get at the supermarket in the UK. Anyway, yes, they actually do. She's like, yeah, but basically, Paul McCartney for his Christmas lunch has the Linda McCartney nut roast. Presumably, that someone gets some Sainsbury's. And this woman that I met does the, the Brussels and you know the other veg, the parsnips and stuff. But they actually, he actually has a little McCartney nut roast for Christmas lunch. So I found that out in Peniche. So that's one of the other things I discovered. And I met a few just different sort of underground characters and some people that do sort of buying and selling. I don't smoke the reaper. And different things like that. And just a real colourful scene. You know, you got these wacky sort of scandos or even like Eastern Europeans doing surf lessons. He got these like sort of quite some quite sort of shady nefarious characters of the local scene. You got you got all sorts going on. You got backyard parties, you got some great places to go and eat. And I really enjoyed it. And I also discovered a good Portuguese wine. The first one I think I've ever had. Um, the table wine in a restaurant called the Cantina, which is in Baleal or Farol, Farol, I think it's in Farol. Um, which is a great restaurant. Um, you probably have to queue to get in. It's in your little place. It's wicked. Good table wine. It's just the, it's just a Portuguese wine money. It's actually drinkable. So I discovered well, a lot. I discovered a lot on my trip. Well, good to hear that, Paul. Because the thing is, I spent a week in Cascai uh, drinking at this wine bar that was had amazing wine for a week. As I've been telling you for the last couple of years, there are some great Portuguese wines. So it's nice to know that you're finding finding some yeah but I don't move in your I'm not in your bourgeois kind of ultra consumerist <laughs> circles and I don't go to fancy cash case wine bars this is just a table wine at a local quite basic restaurant because I'm more of a grounded kind of man of the people but um, yeah really, yeah. it's a great great wine and um, I, I still am convinced it's the, it's the only nice Portuguese wine but anyway I found it don't know the name of it but I know where you can get it <laughs> Good. We, should, we must go down. Well, when we're down, when we're back down there, we'll we'll make a beeline from the um, Nazareth Big Wave event to get there. Ah, <laughs> uh, Ben, do do you remember we had a little chat about the Olympics and you said, I wonder if we can dig up the footage. I think you said, John, John. I think a self-appointed Olympic surfing expert, Ben Mundy, <laughs> said John, John can't qualify. Do you, do you remember this chat? 
I did. I did. Yeah, I do remember this chat. Oh, yeah. I corrected. I corrected you. Oh, looky. Oh, look. We're coming into pipe, and John John is still ahead of Kelly in the ratings. He's still in the qualification spot. He's three thousand points ahead. A couple of things. Don't want to ask you about there, but mainly is the John versus Kelly pipe showdown actually better, stroke more interesting. Stroke, are we looking forward to that more than the world title showdown? Um, no, uh, but it is yes. an interesting subplot. Well, until yeah, no, it's it's in, yeah, it's mildly interesting. So, what is um, maybe have, have you crunched the numbers, Paul? What is Kelly A? 3,000 points behind, um, and yeah, he'll need oh, he'll need to get to the sort of Sammys and uh, John John to sort of fall out early, I'd imagine. He'll need to finish at least a couple of rounds ahead of John, basically, um, in terms of like getting a three thousand point margin. Obviously, whatever John gets will count for him because he's he's got zeros in his in his keeper in his keeper scores at the moment. So anything that he gets will count for him. Um, Seth Manis is, is a bit further back, but in theory. If both Kelly and John lost early and Seth like won the event, you know, get ten thousand points, that, that would make up the gap. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting between Kelly and John. I can't kind of help but feel that that might be more interesting than the title race. I sort of don't really care which which Brazilian wins, or you know, I'm not, not really that worried about who wins the world title particularly. But I don't I'm not really that bothered about seeing John surf in the Olympics. But I just love the idea of John being motivated to sort of crush <laughs> Kelly just to piss him off. Um, and I love the idea of a handicap system, you know, like in golf where you've got a handicap system. I love that about the fact that John hasn't surfed since May and he's still beating Slater. And he sort of toyed with him. I think he's, I don't know if I'm just reading into it, he sort of tricked him a bit. So he kind of tricked him into... Kelly like almost admitted that he, he wanted to qualify for the Olympics, doesn't he? Because he generally is quite reticent to sort of ever say he wants to do something in advance in case it doesn't happen for him. So, you know, that's been a sort of perennial thing with the tour where he's like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it next year. You know, he did that for at least 10 years. He's like, well, I'm going to surf Snapper and then we'll see, was always the line. I think John got injured. He sort of tricked Kelly into going, yeah, I'm going to go to Japan and do the ISA event to qualify. Then after, I mean, I think it was just before Chopu, the end of the summer, John was still quite a long way ahead. Kelly started kind of winding it back a little bit on the Olympics chat, didn't he? And then John started giving him the false hope, and now I think he's just gonna he's just gonna murder him a pipe, and I kinda can't wait. Yeah, well when I was saying that, like Kelly was after Bali, and since Bali, which is he, he hasn't got better than a ninth. He's got four ninths, two seventeenths. So he's an absolute shocker. Um yeah, I think, yeah. Jeez, oh, I hate when you're right, Paul. Fuck, that hurts. Um, it really, really does hurt. Shall we, um, shall we, speaking of Kelly, Ben, are we going to get onto his guru mind healer type thing? <laughs> did, did you, didn't you speak to him? You've been chatting to him. Did you ask him about it? He looked, he looked in a lot of a better way, actually, at Panish than he did on that. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen Kelly looking so fragile and vulnerable, have we? Than he did on that sound. Is it sound waves? Sound waves, yeah, that the um, at the surf ranch. He looked like he was in all sorts. I think it was that freaky Aussie healer guy was freaking him out. I mean, I did a bit of quick research on him. Yeah, he's like he's a pretty well known entrepreneur in Australia. He, he's invented 
like a lot of sort of whole field based brands that have sold on for millions and millions. He's just kind of successful businessman. Yeah. But yeah. But anyone that called himself the healer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. How many, I think it's voice thing that got to me. I just can't take anyone <laughs> seriously with that voice as, as, as being really profound or meaningful. How, how many of those titles would you give me in order to be happy? <laughs> it's so weird and annoying. Like, and the weird thing is, I thought just I thought I found a flaw in his kind of reasoning. Why would he give them to you? Surely the question should have been, how many would you give away? Like, how many of those titles would you give away <laughs> to our happiness? Yeah. Put back into the general sort of ether of, of the universe and, and being and humanity, not give me. That made it then I don't know, made it a bit weird. I think that that Huru Charlatan guy. Almost kind of like the mask slipped a little bit there, and we realised that he actually just wanted to be famous and successful and rich. Well, you've got 11. How many of those world titles would you give me to be happy? Um, I've, there's a bit, actually, Warsh, uh, Matt Warshaw from the uh, Encyclopedia Surfing. Oh, hang on. Do you, mean, do you mean Matt Warshaw that sent me a Facebook message that said my article, The Wrong Burning Bush, about Brazilians... And God, and not talking about Amazon, was the best article he'd read in years, I think it was. That Matt Warshaw. Well, yeah, and that, okay. interesting. Sure. Yeah, that, sure. that one. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the God, he, he had an interview, I think, on Beach Grit about that guy. Uh, his name's Goldsmith. And it says, um, he, Matt says, your mate says, all athletes at that level, I'm guessing, are looking for any kind of advantage they can find, mental and physical. Kelly has Goldsmith, like that guru. Italo has God. If putting your faith in some person or entity gives you peace of mind, relaxes you, distracts you from the pressure, then it works. Gold's explain that new age who do on Kelly makes more sense than his girlfriend telling him again and again to go have fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I think yet again, Warshaw fucking nails it. Um, yeah, it was just fucking, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. But, yeah, what did, you, what did you, you know, what was your vibe when you, when you spoke to Kelly Poy? You're not sort of giving much away here. You kind of seem to be keeping these Kelly fucking... Cars close to your chest here. Oh, uh, not, not you, much. You, you break through the. He's, he's a famously unimpenetrable fucking press release facade. I told him I loved him, actually. I literally said, love you, mate. <laughs> well, oh, it's a nice thing to say. How, how did he take it, Paul? How, how did he respond? Uh, that was the end, really. Kind of walked off. It's a bit awkward. Should we ever listen to it? Yes, please. It's a tricky little wave. Um, there's a lot of power you can paddle out it looks two foot it's like six foot um you can get caught inside for a really long time i got beat down in that heat even though it's not very big today um but you know having one here it it definitely is a little bit of a war of attrition you'll get some high and low tide heat you'll get some onshore and some offshore a little bit like france in that regard um and you got to deal with a lot of closeouts so it a lot of the heats do come down to that single big maneuver, and you got to decide if you're keeping your fins in the in the face or getting them up in the air. And uh, hopefully the wind goes offshore and we get some barrels. Love you, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Have I told you lately that I love you? Love you, mate. Have I told you there's no one else above you? Love you, mate. Fill my heart with gladness. Love you, mate. Love you, mate. He's my troubles, that's what you do. Love you, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Can you go back to my article about the wrong burning bush? Can we go back to that? Yeah, of course. Did you, did you see it, Ben? 
Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, uh, yeah, got, yeah. got quite a lot of accolades for that one. Everyone, everyone seems sure. to enjoy that one. Yeah, yeah, good for you. I, I mean, I sort of, by the time I read it, I'd sort of heard it in my ear hole. Yeah, lucky, so long that lucky I was, that was kind of, <laughs> What a privileged position. I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like I was a guinea pig that you tested all the material out, mm. so I, kind of, I, I was on it. But um, yeah, good for you. How did the Brazilians take it? Uh, no, one, no one particularly noticed Red it. I, I didn't get really any feedback. I didn't get much negative feedback other than a few people pointed out that the British committed genocide in India, which I, you know, which is, is true. They created a famine, actually, but I wasn't particularly sure that had to do with global warming. But, but anyway... There's quite a lot of whataboutery out in the world today, isn't there? So the Brits did did commit you know, terrible atrocities. Uh, someone pointed that out. But, yeah, basically it went, it went down pretty well as the kind of hard-hitting uh, journalism that you can find on wavelength.com Monday, wavelengthmag.com, get it right. But of all my little backstage kind of interview things that I did, I vibed the most off um, the person that really impressed me... Um, was Maya, Maya Gabera. She's Did you... a real character. I think she's got a lot to say. She's really good in an interview. She was awesome. Uh, she can kind of ham it up when she needs to. Uh, she's got blonde hair at the moment, bleach blonde hair. Had a bit of check. She's put some product in there. Actually going towing. There was quite a big tow day and they were getting ready, her and Sebastian. And, um, and their hair, apparently she said she was doing some work for Disney. She was uh, filming a clip around Frozen, the new Frozen movie. Right. And she, I, don't, I don't know the name of the character that's blonde, but anyway, the blonde character, Maya, was doing like a surf stunt as her, and that's why she had blonde hair. And I was like, what a fucking cool reason for dyeing your hair. You're in the new Frozen. Like, that's, that kind of shows how next level she is. But she was really impressive and, and, and interesting. I really like Maya. Does that rank above uh, Noah Budrow wearing a bikini and a blonde wig, charging pipe for... Um Oh, I've forgotten a fucking movie. Blue before. Crush. Blue, Blue Crush. You've got your Noah's wrong. It's not Noah Budrow. Noah Budrow is that <laughs> American with a kind of big nose that did the that American tour in the sort of early 90s. It's Noah, the one who won the Eddie, isn't it? The lifeguard. Johnson. One. Noah Johnson. Wrong Noah. Noah Johnson. Wrong Noah. But carry on. Uh, yeah. I know, I know a nothing, Paul. She's, she's super cool. I liked Hugo Val's vibe as well. Um, oh, I love Hugo Val. He's the nicest man alive. Speaking of his... Did you do a thing on the World Surf League with him, or was that me? Me. Okay, so he thought that was... He thought that was me, I think, because he was like, oh, man, I love that. He was like, I love that thing. That that was you, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, 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 it was me. Yeah, I love that thing that you wrote. Thanks, man. I never said thanks. I was like, oh, no worries, bruv. All good, fam. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, that was me. That was you. That was definitely me. I chatted chat to him everyone's got these garages down there in Nazareth they've all got these warehouses yeah um, I've hung out down there I love it yeah I mean obviously you know I'm just telling the, telling the listener but oh, everyone's got these warehouses some of them are quite fancy obviously you got the Red Bull one massive the monster one and, and they've got these kind of weird little brands called like Perfect Wave and some of the worst logos you've ever seen just terrible um, but anyway and then Val and Botteo have got just a shipping container Real basic. Val's got this old kind of beat-up transit camper van and they've just kind of gone back to the roots. And even though he's got this Mercedes deal, before we were filming, he was taking his stickers off and he's like, you know what, this isn't in my contract. I don't have to have the sticker on the front of the jet ski. Take it off. And he was basically trying to just go a bit more back to the roots and make it a bit more about surfing and 
and vibing and not all about, you know, multi tens of thousands of deals and endorsements and which I guess all of that's important. But I like this vibe. He's a really cool dude. In it for the love of big wave surfing, which is great. So yeah, lots of lots of Nazare chat. Good scene at Naz. A uh, little hangout with G Mac as well. Had a little chat with him. Got got him to voice over the little graphic for the Nazare Canyon that we're going to show when we when we when we run the event. Got that that, speaking of down to earth guys that um, extol all our commercial enterprises. Do you know what he actually had a lot of interesting things to say? He. Uh, and we were like, this isn't off the record. You know, we were kind of rolling on him, but we won't use it. But he said that like, Twiggy shouldn't be in the event, doesn't deserve it, which I thought was really interesting. He's like, it's not a tone guy, he's like an amazing big wave surfer, but he's been, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not one of the Nazareth toe people. He's never been part of that. He doesn't deserve yeah. the slot. Which I thought right on. And he said he you know, said that to him, which I thought that's cool. Um, he said that he thought it was wrong that Justine gets to team up with with Fred. Um, whereas everyone else has got to be a team and they've kind of got, you know, less... Yeah, at this stage, just for example, do you want to quickly run through the, the format of it? Because we're on the... Oh, this, it's open now. It's all out in the public, isn't it? What, there's, so there's, what, 10 teams? Nazareth Toe Challenge, Ben. There are 10 teams. That's right. And there are awards for the best male wave, best female wave, best team... And then there's a commitment award, which is basically a wipeout, essentially a wipeout award without saying that name. Um, yeah. And these teams have been established, so they're sort of grouped with, sort of, sort of geographically speaking. There's a Portuguese team, which is Nick Von Rupp. Um, and who's he with? No, that's... These are young guns. No, that's team now. You've got it Monday. Once again, you're <laughs> way, way off. Team Portugal is Val and Botteo. Would you like me to run through just off the top of my dome, the 10 teams? Yes, please. Yes, okay, please. let's start with the most important. Team GB, Cotty, legend, along with our mate Tommy Butler, legend. Yeah, but. Okay, Team Portugal, Val and Botteo. Team, I think they're called Team Nazar, is Maya and Seb Stutner. Yep. Then we have got the young, whatever, the young bulls is that man Kai Lenny, along with Lucas Chumbo Shianka. Yep. Let's talk some Team International, I think they're called, which is Nick Alas von Rupp, along with Francisco Porcella. Yep. Then we've got some Aussie battlers, some Aussie dogs, RCJ, Ross Clark Jones, along with Mick Corbett. Classic Aussie. Then we've got Team France, which is my favourite team, and I think the loosest canon team of wild cards, which is Eric Ribeiro and Sancho. Oh, I hope they win. Look out. Um, but they could be deadly because, you know, Eric's an amazing driver out there um, and they're both just sort of mad. Uh, so that's a cool team. Then you've got Justine is just some team on her own. Fred, her boyfriend, is the driver, but obviously she's just surfing. Then we have got Team Brazil, which is uh, Rodrigo Cocha, fellow Guinness World Record holder along with myself, and he's with Pedro Scooby. It's exciting. Um, it's new. And uh, yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be great to be a part of it. So, well, we're we're anchoring it, and there's talk of maybe getting some help, just some other people to come in when we need toilet breaks or whatever, or just some people on the periphery like Pete Mel, uh, yeah. former Big Wave World Champ, 
maybe maybe we'll get are we Terps over as well just in case I you know I need a voice he's a little bit of a rest just get him to fill in for a bit so some of the lesser names in commentary but they they might come over otherwise I said to be honest Monday and I probably got this we'll just yeah. turn it into a 12 hour podcast you know that's how we'll roll just go full pirate radio lock the door press <laughs> on air Ask me if I've been, what I've been wearing in the surf lately. I was about to say, what we haven't covered enough is you. Um, yeah, what have you been wearing in the surf lately, Paul? Oh, man, Ben. I mean, if you, if you want to talk about progression in, in tech and in equipment, I think we really need to talk about Billabong's new graphene range of wetsuits. Have you tried them? Uh, well, I sort of, I haven't got the new graphene, but I've been uh, wearing Billabong wetsuits for a good 10 years now, so yeah, mm. I'm, I'm already... Preaching to the converter, Paul. You, you saw my graphene, though, didn't you, in Portugal? You saw it, didn't you, close up? You saw me in it. Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, basically, graphene, people don't know, it's a Nobel Prize-winning material. Uh, it's the world's thinnest material. You can, you can get it to one atom thick, and it's got mind-blowing uh, properties in terms of heat retention. Um, and graphene is infused in the jersey, the wetsuit, and it's just... I mean, in terms of kind of paradigm shifts and sort of quantum leaps in progression, I'd probably say, like, you know, when the Elasto came out, well, that's a different brand, so, you know, but whatever, that was, like, that was a game changer. And this has probably been the next big one for me, Ben, and I'm, and I'm genuinely, I mean that. I've got the Furnace Graphy. It's light, it's flexible, it's basically still too warm. Water's still really warm down here. I'm still a bit hot in my graphene. My Billabong 3.2. Um, but I'm light and I'm flexible and I'm in, let's be honest, Ben, I'm ripping. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the pod. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts on your phone's podcast app. You can subscribe on there. Don't forget to tell a friend and leave us a review as well. Um, you can get in touch with us, get in touch with the show, send us a hit on Twitter. Send us a direct message on Insta or a Facebook message. Or drop us a mail, editor at wavelengthmag.com. Thanks to Billabong and their graphene range of wetsuits along with 4-5 CBD oil for supporting the show. Thanks to you guys for tuning in. See you next time.